Luke chapter 1. I'm going to do a little bit of reading here. So if you need to sit, I completely understand. Luke chapter 1, verse number 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias. Now this is all important in uh, genealogy. I wish that we could dig into this tonight, but we're, we're going to move another direction. Zacharias was of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. Everybody say Aaron. And her name was Elizabeth. Now, they were both righteous before God. Now, that's important. They were walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Folks, I don't know if you realize how powerful that word is. Blameless. But there's frustration because they were blameless, but she was also barren. And in this season, people get really frustrated because you start telling God how hard you've tried. That you've tried to present yourself blameless before him. Elizabeth was blameless, but she was barren. And they were now well stricken in years. That's a kind way in the King James of saying, they were old fogies. They were stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. The whole multitude of people were praying without at the time of incense. But while he was doing what he was supposed to do, there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Why was he fearful? Well, most people are, but it had also been 400 years. Since anyone had talked about an angel being recorded. Now that doesn't mean nobody had seen it. But biblically speaking. Nobody had seen it. And the angel started talking to him and said. Do not fear. For thy prayer is heard. Thy wife Elizabeth. Shall bear thee a son. And thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness. And many shall receive. Uh, shall rejoice rather at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, shall neither drink wine or strong drink. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God. He goes on to say that he's going to walk in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And he's going to turn the hearts of fathers to children. And Zechariah said in 18 to the angel, he said, how in the world am I going to know this? Because I'm old and my wife is well stricken in years. Somebody say it feels a little late. <laughs> but the angel answered and said, do you know who I am? I'm Gabriel. I'm the messenger angel. You can write it down. This came from the Lord. He said, I stand in the presence of God. And God sent me to speak these things to you and to show you glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb 
and not able to speak until the day that these things be performed. Because thou believest not my words which shall be fulfilled in their season. Now, the people waited. They marveled that he tarried so long. But sometimes when God's doing a great work, you can't just run out. You got to be willing to stay for a while. That'll fall on some of you in a little bit. The traditional people were standing outside saying, man, when's this guy going to finish up? But God had him locked up in a prayer meeting. When we get to the place where we don't care how long he keeps us, I believe God's going to start speaking things to us we've never dreamed that we would hear. I feel a shift in the Holy Ghost tonight. The Bible said when he came out, he could not speak. They thought he'd seen a vision. They perceived that he had seen a vision. For he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And after those days, 24, Elizabeth conceived. She hid herself for five months. She said, the Lord hath dealt with me. The Lord hath dealt with me. In the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city in Galilee named Nazareth. And here's the rest of the story. The same angel, six months later, goes to Mary and said, there's another baby coming. The first time Gabriel comes to Elizabeth and to Zacharias, he said, I'm preparing the way for the one who is preparing the way. And the next time he speaks... He says, I'm preparing the way for the one that we've all been waiting on. I want to tell you what happened in this context of this narrative is there was a shift in the conversation. And tonight, that's what I'm going to preach to this church with the help of the Lord. A shift in the conversation. God, we need you tonight desperately. Because we can't do it without you. I know what you've dealt with my heart. I know, God, what I felt in my spirit. And I don't believe you're anywhere close to finished in this room tonight. I'm asking you to elevate our faith. God, help us to reach beyond ourselves. Oh, God, help us to reach beyond what we can see. Help us to reach beyond the evidence tonight. And to buy into the vision that you have for this church and this community and this city and this nation, God. I'm believing, Lord, that our greatest days are ahead of us. That the greatest harvest we've ever experienced is before us. I'm believing, God, that we're going to see greater things than we've ever dreamed or imagined. I'm believing in the fulfillment of your words, Lord, that you left with us. These works that I do shall you do and greater works than these shall you do. We believe it in the name of the Lord Jesus. If you believe what the word of the Lord says tonight, would you shout unto God and give him thanks for his word? Would you do that tonight? Hallelujah. Praise God. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I feel him in this room. I don't know exactly what God's going to do in this house tonight, but I felt something special. I was here this weekend. Uh, these men, did, they did such a great job on our carpet. And uh, we were expecting them to be working in here all weekend. But they came in Friday after school and knocked both rooms out and... Uh, so yesterday we had the opportunity to work on some things and get some things done that we wanted to do. 
And I just slipped off into the sanctuary for a while, began to talk to the Lord, and I felt something special begin to rest on me. And I, I don't know what God's going to do, but I'm telling you, I've never felt the season that I'm in right now. I've never felt God dealing with me the way that he's dealing with me right now. There's a hunger in my heart that I'm just not satisfied to see what I've already seen. I'm not satisfied to go where I've, where I've already been. And God is, God is taking that heart. I want you to hear me very closely because I'm going to speak prophetically to you. God is taking the heart that he's put in me in recent months. And he's beginning to put that in this church. The heart that God has put in me for hunger and for deeper things. We can preach about it all, all the time. But listen, we've got to get beyond inspiration. We've got to move beyond being inspired. I'm not here tonight to just inspire you with enticing words of men's wisdom. But I'm asking God to give this church at the heart of who we are a transplant. That there would be such a hunger for the deep things of God. That we're not, we're not just anticipating seeing it when we come to the house of God. But we're anticipating telling it. When we come to the house of God because we've been seeing it happen all week. I don't believe that it's just the will of God. Ooh, I feel something in here right now. It is not just the will of God. It is his will for us to see it in this church. But it's not just the will of God for miracle signs and wonders to happen in this church. In Acts the third chapter they had only had the Holy Ghost since the second chapter. And in the third chapter the Bible said the lame man got healed while they were on their way to church. I'm not talking about superstars. I'm not talking about people who are elevated. I'm not talking about rock stars that people are clapping and patting our backs. I'm talking about people that have been locked in with God in prayer. And at the mere passing of the shadow of Peter, when you walk by them, my God, miracles begin to happen. We don't have to say a word to them because we said something to the Lord. Is there anybody in here that believes that we're, we're coming into a season right now where it's time for the bride to shine? I want to tell you tonight, I've been feeling something for quite some time. Didn't know exactly how to state it or, or, or say it. And I just so happened to be on social media the other night. And, you know, so the, the little recap things that people put like 15, 30 seconds of preaching or whatever. And uh, I follow the Temple of Pentecost, which is uh, Brother Brian Ballestero in Raleigh, North Carolina. And Bishop Wayne Huntley is the, the bishop there. And Bishop had preached that weekend, and he made, he made a statement that I can't get out of my spirit. I'd been asking God, what is it that I'm feeling? What, what is this that I'm feeling? Because it's really kind of unfamiliar. I've always been hungry for God. But there's something different in the earth right now. Since we came through the pandemic, it feels different. Since we came through all the stuff that we came through, there's a different kind of cry in the earth. There's a different kind of hunger in the earth. And uh, I asked the Lord, I said, what is it? Direct me. I, I, I want to know what it is that I'm feeling. And they played this little short clip. I, it, it just caught my attention. I stopped. And listen, half the time I scroll through and don't even turn on the audio, you know. And I felt like the Lord let me hear it. 
Brother Huntley said that we are people of revelation. We're people of the name. And, and the context of it was, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this. And so we are people of revelation. We are people of the name. The, the revelation of the name has been so powerful since the day of Pentecost. The revelation of the name. It's the only name whereby we must be saved. you believe that? 4 and 12 of Acts said there's not salvation in any other. There, there is no salvation in any other. That's the revelation of the name. There is power in the name of Jesus. Do you believe that tonight? Could I get a witness in the room tonight? There's power. There's power, power, power. There is power in the name of Jesus. I believe there's power in the name of Jesus to heal sickness. I believe that there's power in the name of Jesus for disease to be healed. I believe there's power in the name of Jesus for the demoniac to be set free. I believe there's power in the name of Jesus that when you speak his name, affliction has to go. I believe when you speak the name of Jesus that spirits of infirmity have to depart. I believe when you speak his name, depression has to leave. I believe that. The revelation, the revelation of his name is so powerful. There is, there is a great revelation and, and we stand on that. We believe that uh, we are a church built on revelation. And revelation is so powerful. But Brother Huntley made this statement and I literally felt a witness in my spirit. That is what you've been feeling. Brother Huntley said this. I don't know what he preached. I don't have a clue what his full sermon was, but this is what he said. He said, we have been people that have lived in the power of the revelation of his name. He said, but there is one more revelation that's coming in the end time. And he said, that is the revelation of the bride. He said, in the end time, God is going to reveal who his bride really is. God is going to reveal by the word of God coming to pass through his people who his bride is. If I could break it down Gerber style, I'd preach it to you like this. Not everything that says they're married to him is married to him. Not everything that says they have been betrothed to him has truly betrothed themselves to him. But the people that have been willing to take on his name. I want to tell you tonight, I, I, I struggle. I struggle with a lot of modern things. And uh, I don't know, I don't think there's anybody here this will hurt, but I struggle with a lot of things. And one of the things, there's, there was this trend going for a while that when ladies would get married, I, I, it's kind of weird, I hadn't seen it, but the, the most extreme thing that I saw was actually a man taking the last name of his wife. That's pretty odd. Never seen that, but... It kind of troubles me a little bit when I see a lady who don't want to take her husband's name. You know what I'm saying? It's, kind of, it's like, come on, man. That's what your kids are going to be named. That's, that's the family name. And I believe that's how God feels with people who say, I'm married to him, but I don't want to take his name. Jesus said that if you are ashamed of me, 
He said, I'm going to be ashamed of you. I want to tell you tonight, I am so glad that I've been buried in the name of the Lord. I'm thankful that I'm a part of the body of Christ. I'm thankful that I know tonight there is power in the name. But the revelation that's coming is the revelation of the bride. God is about to put the spotlight on his bride in the end time. And God is going to show this earth what he saved a glorious church for. He didn't just save a church so that we could gather together and sit on a pew. But he saved his church so that we would walk in dominion and authority in the earth. That the blind would see, the lame would leap, the dumb would talk, the deaf would hear. I thank God for the spirit of excellence that's in the 21st century church. But while we've pursued excellence in so many things, please don't take this as being negative, but I'm afraid that our focus has been so much in the superficial that we have forgotten about the depths of the supernatural that God wants to take us to. If I may say so tonight, I would say that the church is doing quite well as a whole on the way that we present ourselves. I don't say this to slight where we've been and where we've come from. As a matter of fact, I say it as a testimony, but there was a time that the church, if you would, used to be on the other side of the tracks. You know, the, the church used to kind of be like, oh, bless their hearts, they're just, they're just dumb people that don't, you know, they just kind of, they, they, they just take the Lord at His word, and that's okay, someday they're going to grow up. Well, you know, the church kept growing up. We kept on growing up, and we decided a long time ago we're not, we're not really concerned about what people think about us. And you know what's happened? There's been a transition. And I say this with all respect. That people have watched that transition in the church. And now there are people whose eyes are on the church. And they're trying to mimic and trying to imitate and trying to duplicate what God is doing in the bride. But I want to tell you, the things that God wants to do in the body of Christ is not something that can be duplicated. It's not something that can be fabricated. I thank the Lord I've seen the dead raised. I thank the Lord that I've seen blind eyes open. I thank the Lord that I've seen deaf ears come open. But I don't believe God's finished yet. And I have never healed a blind man. I have never healed a deaf man. I have never raised the dead. But I know who can. I know he can because he's done it. And he uses people to do that. The revelation of the bride is coming. But what I've been feeling in my soul, in my spirit, had much to do with the context of what we read tonight. I want to say that we've been faithful over things that God has put in our care. If you close out the book of Malachi in the Old Testament and you read uh, Malachi the prophet, the last words basically out of his mouth before history goes silent For 400 years in the canon of scripture as far as the canon is concerned. The last thing that Malachi said was keep the commandments of the Lord and everything that Moses said just keep doing it. And the Bible said that 400 years later in chapter 1 and verse 6. 
that Zacharias and Elizabeth, they were both righteous before God. And they were walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. I'd say they got the message, wouldn't you? They weren't there when Malachi said that. But somebody told somebody that told somebody that told somebody. And, and Zacharias and Elizabeth are being faithful to something that they didn't have to hear firsthand to believe that it was righteous. They weren't there when Malachi said it, but they saw the power of keeping commandment and they saw the power of being righteous. And so until they knew something else to do, they just did what they knew to do. And that's where I feel like the church is right now. We're looking for a fresh word. We're looking for something new and something more powerful. But until we learn to do what we know to do, God is not obligated to give us anything fresh. Feels a little tight in here right now. <laughs> I know 90 plus percent of the time when I ask God for a fresh word, it's usually because I didn't like the last one. Spend $1,500 on a plane ticket in the hotel room to go get a fresh word. And the Lord said, I've already given you, I've already given you the word that you need. Be faithful in what you know. Folks, listen. When the angel of the Lord appeared on the right side of the altar, he surprised Zacharias by showing up. But the angel wasn't surprised by what Zacharias was doing. Because he had been doing it. He, he had been doing it when he was told this is what righteousness looks like. He just went after righteousness. We've been wanting to hear from heaven. I'm going to tell you how angels start showing up and how victories start being wrought. Is when we just do what we know to do. And we show up every day to a prayer closet and offer incense. It's amazing to me because Zacharias, Zacharias wasn't having a private session with a mega church leader saying this, if I were you, this is how I would grow this church. He was in a place by himself in the, in, in the room offering incense unto the Lord. He was in a place doing what he had been told to do. I know we don't like the word tradition, but you do understand that the apostle Paul said, I would that you would hold fast to the tradition which you have been taught whether by word or epistle. He said, I don't care if you got it from a letter or you heard me preach it. The reason why we hold fast to tradition is because there is power in that tradition. There's some things that we do that are a blessing to your life. Some things separate you from the world. Other things separate you unto God. So hold fast to the tradition because not only do you need to be separated from the world, but you need to be separated unto God. If you believe it, shout amen. And so Zacharias has got a bloodline. He, he is after the course of Abiah. His wife goes all the way back to Aaron, the first priest upon whom the Lord built the Old Testament priesthood. She is a daughter of Aaron. His blood, the blood of Aaron, runs through. If you've ever seen a Jewish, uh, a Jewish rabbi or whatever whose name is Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, it is believed more than likely that his bloodline runs all the way back to Aaron. The Kohathites, the Cohens, uh, are connected. You may have known somebody that, that was Cohen, but if they're truly Jewish and have the name Cohen, it's said that their bloodline goes back all the way 4,000 years 
to Aaron. That's something. When I was in Israel during the Feast of Tabernacles several years ago, there was a rabbi by the name of Cohen who was praying the ironic blessing at the Western Wall the day that we were there. He was praying a 4,000-year-old prayer, perhaps from the bloodline of Aaron. Isn't that something that... 4,000 years later, the will of God is still that the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Can I tell you, it's still the will of God for you to be blessed. This, this was a power couple. They, they were, man, they were a power couple. He's after the course of a bias. She's a great, 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 great granddaughter of Aaron. This, this is a power couple, but she said that there was a reproach on her. She said the Lord had lifted the reproach off of her. She had gone all of her life, all of her life with a barren womb. But follow me closely right here. It did not matter that she was barren. She was still faithful. Some folks predicate their faithfulness on the answer they have or have not received. Could you imagine what would have happened if she would have walked in the room that day while Zacharias was getting ready to go to the temple and she would have said, you know what, I'm sick of this. I'm tired of the shame and the reproach that's on me and I'm tired of doing things the right way and God not responding to us. Could you imagine what would have happened if Zacharias would have stayed home that day? But because he showed up and did that which was commanded of him and walked after the course his lot was to burn incense. His lot wasn't to lay bricks. His lot wasn't to move furniture. His lot was to burn incense. Somebody needs to find out what your calling is and stay true to that calling and make sure that your calling and election are sure. I believe the Lord's been calling some people in this hour, but we've been neglecting the calling because we haven't got the answer. I know I'm preaching right now. I'm pushing against the wall. I feel it in here. And so they live their lives in a conversation about how it's always been. They live their lives in a conversation all the time, holding on to the way that things used to be. They were faithful in that, and they believed the promises of God in that. Whenever someone would ask them, why are you doing what you're doing? Their answer and response could have easily been, because that is what was commanded of us. We want to be faithful in the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord. I'm going to make a statement right here that your heart's got to be ready to receive, to understand the context of what I'm saying. But I do believe with all my heart that there's never been a better time to get in the church and there's never been a worse time to get out of the church. Can I say it to you like this? I sincerely believe this is the dumbest time in history to turn your back on God and walk out of the church. Here's, here's what I've come to tell you tonight. If you want to be saved at the coming of the Lord, you will be. You won't be able to blame a church. You won't be able to blame a pastor. You won't be able to blame an organization. You won't be able to blame somebody else in the church. Come on, I'm preaching. If you want to be saved, you will be. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean you'll let go whatever you got to let go. You'll stand against whatever you got to stand against. And if you want to be saved, you'll forsake what you got to forsake. And you'll embrace the cross and you will be saved. 
I was at Indiana camp one year in Hartford City, and Brother John Voskis, Brother Horn, Brother John Voskis was preaching that morning. And he preached this sermon. I'll never forget it. He preached this sermon. Are y'all ready? This is deep. He preached, if you want to be saved, you can. You can be seated. He said, if you want to be saved, you can. But can I preach to you tonight? If you want to be lost, you can. You don't have to look very far to find excuses for why not. There's precious people in this building tonight that are here. Uh, because of different ways, different paths that you've had to take. And I, and, and I say this with all sincerity. I want this church always to be a healing center for people that have been broken. But, but I'm saying this to you very plainly tonight. There are people in this room that have, they've had plenty of excuses for why not. There's people in this room tonight that have suffered hurt. They've suffered loss. That they, they, they are the epitome of somebody that understands mourning and brokenness. Hey, I know you may not see it tonight with them all dressed up. But there's some folks that have been fractured in here. There's some people that have been broken in here. There's some people whose lives were a wreck. And if they were looking for an excuse to walk away from God, they could have found one and justified it in their heart. But they're here because they want to be here. And they're saved because they want to be saved. And they rejoice because they want to rejoice. We don't rejoice because we've never lost. We rejoice because whatever we've lost, he's been with us. Oh, I don't know where my dancers and shouters went. We rejoice because what we've went through when we look back. I know. I've been there in seasons where I honestly God thought while I was in it, it was going to kill me. But when I look back on it now, I realize he brought me through. I know you're probably looking for something a little deeper than that. But I'm preaching to some people that know what it feels like for the Lord to bring you through. You didn't think you were going to make it. God, I feel it. You may have thought you were going to lose your mind. But you held on. And you kept on going. And you kept on praying. Oh, God. When your family fractured and your parents divorced, you went on to the house of God anyway. When, you, when, when your family turned their back on God and walked away, you just kept on loving God. And when you'd hear people talk bitterness and spew bitter things, you could have heard it, but you let it go in one ear and out the other and kept on loving God. Hey, the devil don't want you to know this, but God will honor that. You've been hurt. People have said things about you. I understand. I get it. We used to sing that song quite a bit when I was a kid. Said I've been lied on, cheated, talked about, mistreated, used, scorned, 
talked about since I was born. I've been up. I've been down. I've been almost to the ground. But long as I've got King Jesus. Long as I've got King Jesus. I don't need nobody else. I've come to tell somebody tonight that just held on. And you kept on doing righteous. And you kept on being faithful. God is a great record keeper. Don't you be defeated tonight. Don't you be discouraged tonight. God saw every tear you cried. But you came and rejoiced anyway. You asked God to heal and God didn't heal. But the next service you showed up. The next time the church doors were open, you walked through the doors. I've sat with some of you in, in your homes and in hospital rooms where we didn't get the answer that we wanted. But I'm telling you tonight, you're still here by the grace of God. But it's not just his grace. It's, it is that, that burning spirit within you that says, I refuse to quit. And I refuse to sit down. And I refuse to back up. Hey, I want to tell you, God's going to honor that. I've watched you precious people, some of you lose your job. And the very next Sunday walk in and put a tithing check or an envelope in the offering plate. I want to tell you, the devil don't know what to do with people like you. The devil don't know what to do with people that he's given his best shot. He's tried to lie on you. He's tried to steal from you. He's tried to turn people against you. But you just kept on rising again. I don't know how long. There's some, there's some differing opinions. Some say that at, at the time uh, of Zacharias that there were over 100,000 priests in that day. And so some historians believe that if you, if you got to offer in your lifetime one time that it was a miracle. That there were actually priests who lived and died and never got to follow after their lot, which his lot was to burn incense. And so it, it's interesting, there's some, there's some different ways that you could look at this. And I don't want to get lost in this chasing rabbit trails. But I do want to tell you something that I believe is so powerful. I believe at some point there could have been a conversation between Zacharias and someone who looked on him with pity. As he walked by in his full priestly garment headed to the temple of God. And somebody looked at him and said, hey bud, where are you going? Ah, I'm going to the house of the Lord. Is today your time to burn incense? No, not yet. How's Elizabeth doing? She's all right. Has she ever got pregnant yet? No. No, she never got pregnant. So you guys don't have any children? No, sir. No, sir. No children. So where are you going again? I'm going to the house of God. Yeah, but, 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 but I thought people only went to celebrate the goodness of God. We do. Because he's good. Whether he answers or not. I feel a preacher on me tonight. He's good whether he answers or not. He's good whether the baby ever cries or not. 
I think a little different. I feel a little different about it. You know, I walk through Scripture a little different. I know my brain's wired a little different. But I got to thinking about conversations, Sister Jenny, of Zacharias and Elizabeth laying in bed at night, you know, pillow talk. She spoke up to him and said, babe, it would have been so neat. We're old enough now we could have had grandkids. We're old enough now. There ought to be children running around this house. But old Zacharias, he just said, but sweetheart, it wasn't in the plans of God. It wasn't in the will of God. And so tomorrow, whether I offer or not, I'm going to the house of the Lord. And sweetheart, you're going to get up out of the bed. And we're going to go to the house of the Lord together. I feel something in here right now. I know those disappointing conversations where they don't turn out right. But there's something about the audacity of a man and a woman that just get up with resilience in your spirit. And you walk a pathway that you've walked time after time after time. And you still haven't got the answer, but you keep on walking. I don't know who I've come to encourage tonight. There's a couple that I do know in this room that need to hear it, and I hope you'll receive it. But I've come to encourage somebody tonight that feels like you've kept on and you've been faithful and God hasn't noticed. I just want to tell you, he noticed. Come on. Time's getting late and I'm still in my introduction. I got to get to my sermon. Stay with me. So the conversation had been, how amazing would it be if God would have? Now I'm going to be really transparent with you, church. Probably too much. But for, for a lot of my ministry in this church, I felt like I had a lot of conversation with God about how incredible it would have been if something could have happened. God, how incredible it would have been if so-and-so could have moved here, so-and-so could have got that job, or so this could have happened. I don't have time to tell you all of it, but I'll never forget it because it happened on my anniversary. I was going to preach at a large church in Texas, and had my flight scheduled, and it was my anniversary. And Bishop and I had been in conversation with a man for, I don't know, months, four or five months. Man, he'd shown us the paperwork. Uh, I mean, I, I, it was the most perfect lie I'd ever seen in my life. I'm, honestly, God, I'd never seen anything like it. And he said uh, that his father had passed away and he was coming into a large inheritance. And that he, he said, I'm too old. I'll never spend it all. I'm going to bless this church. I'm going to take care of you guys. And, and honest to God, it came all the way down to on my anniversary. I told my wife, I said, babe. I'm sorry I got to go work on this today, but it's going to be worth it. Because on our anniversary, Bishop and I were scheduled with a meeting with the bank president. Because this guy was coming to meet Bishop and I and the bank president. And they were going to transfer, I don't, I don't remember, several million dollars to this church. So, man, I put on my suit, my tie. Bishop and I went to the bank, and we sat in the parking lot, and the joker never showed up. And I'm like, man, I wonder where he's at. So we walked in the bank, and we're like, maybe we missed him. I don't know. We walked in there, and my dad 
walked up to the receptionist and said, we have a meeting with the, the president. She said, well, I don't, I don't see any meetings on the calendar, but I'll, I'll call back and ask. And uh, sure enough, said, no, I don't have a meeting scheduled this morning. So Bishop made a call, and the guy answered the phone. He said, yeah, I'm sorry I stood you up. I'm sick. You had to come by the house. I think he even asked you to come by and pray for him or something. We got to the house. He was sick. He said, I, I've been sick because I've been lying to y'all. He said, I've lied. This whole thing is a lie. He said, this, there was no meeting scheduled. There, there was no money coming. This whole thing's been a lie. And I was scheduled to go preach that week. I was catching a flight like the next day to go to a church that wanted me. This, this is what they we wanted to, want you to come in and build faith. I'm like, my God, I feel it right now. I'm as high as I've ever been. I feel that your church is about to explode because I'm coming in with a message for you. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I'm not like, I was in my pickup truck on my way to the bank. I was crying. I said, oh, God. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> like, God, we prayed and you answered. You're so good. We sat there for 30 minutes. I looked at Dad, and I was, I was like, I don't think so. He ain't coming. He ain't going to happen. There was no meeting. And I told the Lord, it would have really been cool. <laughs> so what would you do? I took my wife out for our anniversary. We said four words at the table. She said more than that. Said four words at the table. She said, babe, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go get on a plane. And I'm going to go preach faith. And I'm going to go preach the faithfulness of God. Because God, God didn't stop being faithful because somebody didn't tell the truth. You know what? I, I went, I caught a flight and I preached at two churches over the next three days in Texas. You know what I preached? I preached faith. I preached increase. I preached blessings. I preached worship. People danced and shouted. People getting baptized in Jesus' name. Getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Folks, listen to me. I'm telling you, God is a record keeper. God is a great record keeper. I'm hesitant to say this because I don't want people to think my motive is off. But our, 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 some of the people that are close to my heart can tell you, at the first of the year, I sat here late after church one night. No, I wasn't belly Y'all doing okay? Y'all ready to go home? I sat in the office one night. I talked to brother and sister Friday, brother George, sister Kate. My wife had already gone home. And I sat and talked to them. And I said, y'all. We need God to give us an answer. This was like November, I think. Something like that. First of December, something like that. I said, we need, we need God to give us some answers. I said, I, I, keep, I keep crunching these numbers. And uh, I can't figure this out. I said, but I'm tired of walking in that sanctuary. 
and looking at ripped, tattered carpet. I got right there at that corner. I was walking in here praying by myself. Joe, I walked right there where you're at. I stopped and I looked up and I said, God, I am sick of this carpet. This is your church. To all of you that have worked your skin off in this process, you're welcome. Because on Christmas Day at 2.30, dispatch called us, Sister Megan. I don't know where she went. She worked for 911. Dispatch called and said, uh, the fire department is at your church. And your church is flooded. I was on my way to take a nap. My, we had just had Christmas dinner. And I was on my way to take a nap. But instead, I came down here and I didn't tell the Lord I was sick of tore up carpet. I said, God, I ain't going to have no wet carpet. <laughs> I come walking in here in my boots at Christmas Day. <laughs> I, called, I called a precious brother. It's been such a blessing to me. I called him. I said, bro, what in the world am I going to do? He said, bro, listen, take a deep breath. He said, God is about to bless your church. He said, God is getting ready to bless your church. God's been faithful, and he ain't going to stop being faithful now. I said, well, I, what are we, we going to do? Oh, man, I mean, it's a mess. He said, I know it's a mess, but sit back and breathe easy. It's Christmas Day. Nobody's going to come clean it up. He said, y'all pick up what you got to and go home to your family. God is about to take care of your church. You know why I did that? Because you can't hear my shoes now. I've been dancing on loud concrete in here since Christmas Day. I'm glad to tell you tonight, God's a good record keeper. I need need y'all to stay with me right here now. It's 732. I I know. Your clock went off two minutes ago. But I want to tell you about the faithfulness of God. I'm not going to stop seeking God just because we got a surprise remodel. And I'm sorry. But I don't want to see all this work done just so we can fill this building up. If you think all this praying and fasting we're doing is just, and this may sound crude, but whatever. If you think this whole thing's just about rear ends on seats, you missed it. Because what God's going to do for this church, and what God is going to do in this city, and what God is going to do in this county, and what God is going to do in this region... It's not going to fit in this building. 
There's about to be a shift in the conversation. We're moving away from how cool it would have been if God would have. Because the angel showed up and said, sir, because you've been faithful, I want you to know it's about to be. Brother Tony, this morning when I walked by you, what did the Lord ask you? You told me the Lord asked you a question. Could you tell me what the Lord said today, this morning? He asked you what we're going to name our daycare. Do you guys remember when we said how cool it'd be if we had a, a Christian school? Well, we tried to start our, our daycare before the school because everybody that's ever had a school will tell you schools are going to put you in the red. Schools don't make money. Church, I want to tell you, Brother McLean's our treasure. He's, he's a witness before God. My mother's the financial secretary. They're witnesses before God. The finances of this church have been more blessed since we started that school than they've ever been in the history of this church. And God's about to make a way where these teachers that have been taking less pay than they deserve. God's about to make a way and we're going to be the best paying private school in this city. Y'all see this front row right here? You see this? This is PCA. These two boys on the end right here are a product of PCA. I've prayed I don't know how many prayers over that sweet little old woman right there. That precious aunt of mine. God, touch my aunt. Touch your God. Bring her to the house of the Lord. My dad's wept over. We started a Christian school and said, hey, what would you think about LG coming to PCA? She was like, he's sick of school. I believe he'd do it. I said, LG, is it Christmas, you remember? I said, hey, bud, what you think about PCA? He's like, I'm in. He'd been coming to school here just a few weeks, got in a Friday chapel, raised his hands, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave him the utterance. God filled him with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. There's a shift in the conversation. This is not about how cool it would have been. This is what the Lord's doing. I'm not trying to put the cart before the horse. we got a little while to a missions conference. But I'm going to tell you, God, God's about to do a miracle in this church. This is not hyperbole. I'm not just, there's a miracle coming to this church. And so tonight, I'm going to answer your question, Brother Tony. The question the Lord asked you, what are we going to call the daycare of this church? Well, we've already got a business plan together, put it all together, got a branding package together. Because it's time for us to stop talking about how cool it would have been. And to start speaking about things that are not as though they were. So we're going to call the daycare First Kids Child Care Academy.
You're getting ready to see that all over this city. Because God is going to send us children from 8 weeks old to 18 years old in this building at least 5 days a week. There's a shift in the conversation. <laughs> Listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. We don't have time to build another building right now. So, I've just been looking for other buildings. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm saying... The harvest is coming. Well, we still got some debt to pay off. I know. But God's going to make a way from that. And God's going to open up a bigger building. I don't know if you guys have noticed or not. But it's been pretty tight in here most weekends. And we're not going to drag around for another 15 years. Worried about how God's going to do this. There's a shift in the conversation. I've just started telling God thanks. Listen, Zacharias, the Lord said, I'm going to close your mouth until you can name that baby what I told you to. I don't want God to seal my lips, so I'm just going to start naming it tonight. I thank the Lord for our next building, and I thank the Lord that it's debt-free. I thank the Lord that we're going to have at least a thousand seats. We're going to have room for our school. We're going to have room for our daycare. We're going to have room for our youth ministry. There's a shift in the conversation. But pastor, what, I mean, this, uh, this, what, what are we going to do with this building? We still got this building. Well, God's not going to be done with this building either because there's getting ready to be another launch and we're claiming this by faith. Did they get that second one? In the name of Jesus, I declare it over this congregation that we're going to fill this sanctuary up with a Spanish-speaking church. Sister Flores, will you come just for, I know you're so shy. Come here just for one second. Will you come? Come here, come here, Brother Flores, come. I, I want to tell you, they owned a house in this town. They were faithful, faithful people. My heart breaks for Pastor Pagan. For, I, it does. These are some of the most precious people. They had a home in this town that they were using as an investment property. And the Lord told them to move out of the house they lived in in Indianapolis, that there was a work for them to do in Anderson. And they came here and moved. They didn't know what they were going to do. They came and moved in to the house here. And they came to church. That's my homie. What's up, Gabriel? 
I, I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but I, I just want people to get used to this. Can you, can you quote Acts 2.38 in Spanish for me? Can you do that? Can you do that? Acts 2.38. I know you can do it. She can help you. You ready? Okay. I know he's nervous. I'm sorry. You don't understand how much faith this takes right now. I want you to get used to this sound in here. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Pedro les dijo, arrepentíos y bautícese cada uno de vosotros de sus pecados y recibiréis el poder del Espíritu Santo para el perdón de sus pecados en el nombre de Jesús. Oh, you know, Pastor, it would be really neat if the Lord would do that. Listen, I'm not here to talk about if. It's a great thing that God is doing it right now. There's a shift. Get ready. Because we're, we're going to have to hire Spanish-speaking faculty at PCA. Come on, somebody. We're going to have to have some bilingual folks working at First Kids. I'm sorry, you just come too late to tell me God can't do it. What God wants to do in this church and what he's getting ready to do through you. Somebody say through me. Through me. We're going we're to start reversing some things around here in the court systems. I've been feeling for some time that God's getting ready to reveal his bride to this community in a, in a way that we've never seen it. And I'm just, I'm expecting the phone calls to start coming. Because so many people have been delivered by drug, from drugs by the power of the Lord. That judges start calling this church office and saying, I don't know what's going on over there, but we're going to start sending people to you all. I, I told you about this a few months ago, a few weeks ago, but I got to testify about this. Brother David Bounds in Par Parkersburg, West Virginia. They have, they have seen over 900 people through their drug program baptized in Jesus' name. I'm talking about people dying on the street. They Narcan them when they wake up. They point and say, we want to go to that church. Not the hospital, to that church right there. They are the only county in West Virginia that has had a downward trend in their drug overdoses and addictions. 
because of one apostolic church. Are y'all ready for a shift in the conversation? This is not going to be about how many drug addicts there are in this city. It's going to be about how many former drug addicts there are in the church. There's something changing in the atmosphere. There's something shifting. Some of you that's had a hard time getting solid foundation under your feet. Been fickle. Had trepidations about full-blown commitment. Been in, been out. Been standing off on the distance. I want to tell you, now's the best time ever to just come on in. You, you, you've been worried about, listen, come on in. Come up close to the fire. Just get ready. Yeah, but Pastor... I failed God so many times. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. God's about to start using people that folks pointed at and said, God's done with them. There's not enough of us in this room right now to do what God wants to do. Come on, somebody. There's a shift. There's a shift in the conversation. That we're going to start speaking some things a little different around here. We're not going to live our lives saying, man, I wish we could have had a baby. But we're going to live saying, if God said it, we're going to see it. If God spoke it. If God said it, we're going to see it. We've been faithful to God over what we knew to do. But God's about to make our to-do list a lot longer. Because there's a... Listen, we've done training, Lord. We've trained more people on how to teach Bible studies. So you know what comes next? You're going to start teaching Bible studies. Don't get ready. God's bringing structure like we've never seen. I'm telling you, things are coming together. It's happening. And what God's doing is not just about this church. This is a harvest and revival that's coming to this community. And I feel like this is, this is going to be just like when the Lord told Peter to launch out into the deep. We're going to have to get people to come help us with the nets. And there's going to be overflows going into other churches. Listen, we got to get over us. God's doing something. I, a few weeks ago, I told you, on Sunday morning, I went, drove around to some apostolic churches and prayed over the pastors and prayed over the churches. I got a phone call in the office this morning. You know what it was? There was another pastor in this community. He called. He said, hey, Brother St. Clair, I just wanted you to know, 
I drove by your church this morning. And he said, I prayed over you and over your church family. And he said, I feel the presence of a holy God. What, what are you talking about? I'm telling you, God is bringing unity to the body. Because this revival is so big. We're not going to hold it in these four walls. Praise God. I didn't just come to inspire you tonight. I came here tonight to unleash into the atmosphere the faith. Elizabeth, Zacharias lived their lives talking about yesterday and what could have been. But when the angel of the Lord showed up while they were being faithful to God, the angel said, it's time for you to start speaking about the future. So tonight I declare over this church that while we're grateful for everything God's done, it's time for us to start talking about tomorrow. It's time for us to start speaking about the future. I don't know, Pastor. This sounds like it's really out there and really far. Is there anything too hard for God? You know what I believe is going to happen? I'm, 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 I'm not prophesying this. I'm just saying I'm going to tell you what I believe is going to happen. I believe God is preparing the next landing place for this church right now. We're not going to put a shovel in the ground. But God's preparing a place right now that there's going to be a congregation that can't make it. And God's going to give us another building that's going to suit all the needs that we need. And we're going to be able to utilize this facility and do whatever we need to do for school and daycare. God's going to make a way. What are you doing, Pastor? We're getting ready for the harvest because we're talking about the future. It's time to buy in. It's time to get excited. It's time to go to the lost. It's time to get in the highways and the byways and compel them to come. I'm telling you right now, God's doing it. God's doing it. God's doing it. And God's going to use you to do it. God's going to rest on you to do it. Do I have about 50 believers tonight? Could I have about 100 believers tonight? You think maybe I could have about 250 believers tonight? Is there anybody that just buy in and say, God, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. Whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. Praise God. How do you dismiss from this? I mean, we're just going to play an altar song and just leave. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to leave with this in our spirit. And you're going to lay down tonight to go to bed, and your mind's going to start churning. God's getting ready to start dropping business ideas in people's heads. God's getting ready to put a spirit of promotion on some of you that you're going to be able to move outside of the business you've been working in. And God's going to make a way for you. Listen, I had a lady testify to me that she had the lord told her to walk around this building she walked around she said it was 53 or 54 steps around this building and the lord said to her in about 50 uh, in about 53 days there's going to be some things that start changing she had been trying to sell a business for three years and in the last few days a person walked into that business and said is this for sale and she said it has been and the lady said then i want to buy it right now 
I'm talking about she walked by faith. The Lord said, walk around, count your steps. In about that many days, there's going to be something change, and it changed. You know what I'm ready for? I'm ready for us to start walking in the promises of God. I'm ready for us to start talking the promises of God. I can't, I can't, I can't say it the way I want to. But I'm absolutely ready for the first Pentecostal church, Spanish-speaking church. I'm ready for first kids. I'm ready for PCA to have room to expand. Come on. I'm ready. I'm ready for drug rehabilitation. I'm ready for God to start using some of you in your testimony. God's going to do it. We're going to see it. Amen. We give God praise for it tonight. We give God praise for it tonight. Praise God. I believe, Bishop, God's raising up couples in this church. God's going to send couples in this church to get ready for us to start planting preaching points and daughter works. We're going to see the promises of God fulfilled. Amen. I want you to know I believe in you, church. I believe in you. I believe in your prayers. But it's not time for us to let off and tap the brakes. It's time to smash the accelerator and let's go. Revival like we've never seen it. Revival like we've never dreamed. How many of you know he can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think? Praise God. Let's thank the Lord together tonight. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you for supernatural provision. Thank you for what you're releasing in this church. God, we're changing our conversation. There's a shift. We're going to start speaking the favor of God. We're going to start speaking the blessings of God over this city. God, we're not looking at where it is. We're looking at where it's going. We speak revival over Anderson, over this county, and over this region. God, I pray that you'd set Madison County on fire. I pray in the name of Jesus that we would see a hunger like we have never seen. We release that word of faith. We decree it in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of the Lord right now. Right now, in Jesus' name, that you'd begin, Lord, to deal with people that couldn't even understand this English message I preached tonight. I pray, God, that you'd begin to speak to the hearts of people. Lord, that we're going to have to expand our thinking, and we're going to have to translate and, and preach in another language. Start drawing them by your spirit, God. We took a step of faith when you told us to, and you're going to honor it, Lord. I pray, God, for expansion for PCA. I pray, God, you'd make a way for us to grow that school. God, you know we're out of room, and we've been using all the room that you've given us. So I decree in the name of Jesus, Jesus, that our school is about to expand. I decree in the name of Jesus that you're going before us tonight and our daycare will be open in the next 12 months in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let's give the Lord a great big shout of praise.